beyond. DamascusCitizens.org For Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. We're live in Liberty in the Radio Catskill studios, and we're in our summer of fun, fun drive, and I have a fun show for you today. Keith Hubbard's Star Talk is going to tell us how to find the constellation Hercules in the sky. Evan Padua checks in with a Hooked on Fishing audio postcard from Montana with notes on the Upper Delaware River. And Stephanie Phillips speaks with Ryan Earlwine from Jeffersonville. Ryan is going to tell us how she follows her sweet inspiration to make milk and ice cream and Tannis Kowalczyk and the Farm Arts Live Collective from Ensemble. In Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. Speaking in a predominantly black Jacksonville neighborhood Friday, Vice President Kamala Harris decried new Florida education guidelines that say slaves, quote, develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. When I think about what is happening then here in Florida, I am deeply concerned. Because let's be clear, I do believe this is not only about the state of Florida. There is a national agenda afoot. GOP presidential hopeful Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was campaigning in Utah yesterday. He told reporters he had nothing to do with the new so-called benchmark clarifications. But the new curriculum finalized this week by the State Board of Education matches legislation that DeSantis has said is necessary to prevent liberal indoctrination. The Temecula California School Board has approved an elementary social studies textbook. That board's failure to adopt a book earlier this week drew attention from Governor Gavin Newsom. From member station KVCR, Madison Ament reports. Yesterday's emergency meeting was called just days after the board failed to adopt a textbook because the supplemental material mentioned gay rights activist Harvey Milk. In May, a board member and the board president called Milk a pedophile, a baseless claim. Now the board has agreed to adopt the book, as long as Milk isn't included. Earlier this week, Governor Newsom announced a $1.5 million fine for the district if the board didn't pick a book. Board President Joseph Komorowski says the decision has nothing to do with the fine. Governor Newsom, our kids need an education. They need curriculum. They need it. The superintendent says they should have the books before the school year starts in mid-August. For NPR, I'm Madison Ament. In the state of Alabama, legislators have redrawn the state's congressional districts, and Governor Kay Ivey has signed off on the plan, but it may not meet with the approval of the U.S. Supreme Court, which started the process. Details from Troy Public Radio's Kyle Gassett. Last month, the Supreme Court issued a ruling saying Alabama's current congressional maps do not give black voters an opportunity to elect a candidate of their choice. Much of the debate during the special session centered on what opportunity means. Democrats believe a state where one in four residents is black should have a second black majority district of over 50%. Republicans interpreted it by increasing the number of black voters in a second district to 40%. The map now moves to a federal court, which could reject and redraw it yet again. 
a dispute over the map could also eventually land once again on the docket of the Supreme Court. From PR News, I'm Kyle Gassett in Montgomery, Alabama. This is NPR. Yes, and it is an uncloudy day here. It's a beautiful July summer morning in Liberty, New York, and we're at Radio Catskill. This is a summer fun drive, and we're having lots of fun in this radio studio because uh, we've got some a farming country produce basket of audio goodies for you. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and thanks to Tim for assisting me here in the studio. Well, it's always great to see you in the studio for Farming Country. It's a special summertime fun drive live hour-long edition of Farming Country, and you can donate during our summer fun drive. Support Farming Country, Rosie and the team that does such great work here. Uh, call 845-482-4141. And you've got uh, a chance to speak to a couple of volunteers from the community uh, from Rourke Law. Brian Rourke and Michael Sussman are here. You can uh, chat with them. They'll take your donation uh, or go online, wjffradio.org. Make a donation of any amount. Would be great if you could make an amount uh, that would help us with the challenge we have, especially for Farm and Country listeners. We've got a challenge of $250 from folks over at Spencer Printing in Honesdale. It's local and family-owned since 1910. Did you know that, Spencer Printing? Oh, that's wonderful. Even the Titanic was still up. (laughs) (laughs) They do everything they present. They printed our T-shirts, the new T-shirts that we have on sale at Riverfest tomorrow. They they do everything else, too. Signs, banners, posters, uh, and a challenge. $250 from Spencer Printing in Honesdale. Call us now. Help us meet that challenge. 845-482-482. 4141 and then that's matched and doubled 500 bucks let's do it i think folks out there they're on their way to the farmers markets and they're maybe listening in their cars or on their smartphones right now you could go online at wjffradio.org or give us a call 845-482-4141 and um Let's see. The first thing we're going to play here today, Evan is just wonderful. He's hooked on fishing. He's a sweet water guide for the Upper Delaware River, and he has sent some audio. He's actually Montana and fishing, and he says he knows his heart is in the Upper Delaware River Valley, and he's going to share with us what to do at this time of the year. Call 845-482-41. You hooked on fishing. Recording from a different location today, I'm actually on the Clark Fork River in Montana, um, about, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 miles uh, west of Missoula, Montana. Uh, We're kind of where the water starts to warm up in the Clark Fork River. Um, There are some invasive species of northern pike in the river here, as well as browns, rainbows, cutthroat, and a lot of different uh, species of fish. There's even possible bull trout the tributaries are running very cold, a lot of the tributaries, so a lot of the bigger trout and smarter trout are out of the main river of the Clark Fork. They're kind of up in the tributaries. Uh, we had a pretty good day fishing on the Fish Creek tributary of the Clark's Fork yesterday. We caught four different species of fish, white fish, fine-spotted cutthroat, west slope cutthroat, and uh, a bull trout, actually, which was immediately released, which is the regulation standard you uh, have to release them immediately if you catch them Um, and you're not really supposed to target them which that one we just kind of caught in a big pool that we saw a lot of fish in and we got lucky beautiful fish they're kind of a unique trout so yeah i'm out on vacation visiting some friends beautiful blue skies out here in montana 
the water's probably right around 68, 70 degrees, that top end for trout. So we're not really going to target trout on the river today. Mostly going to target um, northern pike. Tomorrow, maybe go to an upper section of the river and try to get into some more trout species maybe earlier in the day before it warms up. Rivers are running a little bit lower than average out here in Montana this year. Folks are just being cognizant of the water temperatures as we have to be on the Delaware as well. You know, when that water gets over about 65 degrees, we start to not target trout as, as heavily because they will have a less success rate of surviving if you're catching and releasing. If you're keeping them, then just as long as you follow the regulations, you, you can keep a trout as long as you know the regs. Yeah, excited out here uh, to get a quick summer vacation and get some fishing in some new waters. I'm on the Clark's Fork in Montana this week, and I hope you guys are enjoying your summer back in PA in New York in the Delaware River Valley. Saw so we got some rain while I was gone, so the rivers are up a little bit back there. Probably a little higher and a little bit turbid, kind of uh, different colored water. If you're out, try some flashier colors and different tactics, subsurface for bass and, and possibly trout on the northern end. But I bet the bass fishing's pretty good in the middle of the summer right now back there. I had a couple half-day trips earlier this week before I came out here, and we were putting 40 to 70 fish in the boat. The bass fishing is pretty darn good in the De Delaware right now, fishing different color streamers and uh, dark dark color and, and silver um, soft plastics on uh, 1 8 and 1 16th ounce jig heads are good tactics for smallmouth fishing in the Delaware. So on six pound test or eight pound test line or fly rods with two to four inch streamers work pretty well too. Poppers in the evening and in the morning if you're lucky. All right, well, that's an update from Montana and uh, I hope everyone's having a great summer. Be careful, wear your life jacket, enjoy days out in the sun and remember, get out there and wet a line. This is Evan Padua, casting off. Thank you, Evan, for that wonderful report. And also, thank you for your support. You're one of the volunteers that are on the team of Farming Country, and you also financially support the show and the radio station. So right now, folks, if you like Evan's work or any of the work here at Radio Catskill, give us a call, 845-482-4141, and help us meet this challenge. It's uh, We need you to pitch in and we're going to make 250 at least during this show. Whatever amount you can give, $50, $100, maybe 75 become a sound supporter, however you could do it. WJFFradio.org is another way to do it, and it's real simple because uh, we're going to come up now with uh, the summer fun is the name of the theme of this uh, fun drive right now. Summertime, <laughs> and the giving is easy. The giving is easy. It's a $250 <laughs> challenge from the folks at Spencer Printing, family-owned local print shop in Honesdale. $250 we need to meet during this hour of Farm and Country. So call now. If you call 845-482-4141, you'll get your choice of attorneys to speak to. Uh, it's Michael Sussman from Sussman and Associates Law Firm and... And Brian Rourke from Work Law, two guys from our community who happen to be attorneys and are helping us out in the office today. 845-482-4141. Help us meet the challenge. $250 from Spencer Printing. And while you're listening to the next segment that we have here, and it's a real summer fun piece, um, it's about ice cream. Now, I don't know about you, but I this year I've dedicated to tasting around Sullivan and Pennsylvania, all the delicious ice cream that's available. I started off at the Carousel in Beach Lake. Wonderful stuff. I had it for breakfast one morning. <laughs> Sticky in summer, you can do that. Yeah, 
yes, <laughs> sticky fingers in Conneunga Lake. Beeline ice cream in the in the Union in Narrowsburg has honey ice cream. And Myers, oh, there's Bev and, Jer- and Jerry's in Narrowsburg. That's another one local. But uh, today we're going to hear Jeff uh, on our uh, Je- Stephanie Phillips. She interviews um, at Myers Century Farm in Jeffersonville. She talks to Ryan Earlwine from uh, Jeffersonville and Myers Century Farm. This young lady has chosen in the seventh generation to use her cows to make milk that's not homogenized, and she makes ice cream from Jersey and Holstein cows. The ice cream is all over the place in these fun places. So let's give a listen to what Stephanie Phillips has to say with Ryan Earlwine. It's Farming Country Summer Fun Drive Edition with Rosie Starr. Call now, 845-482-4141. Help us meet our challenge from Spencer Printing of $250. Call now. Ryan, there was a period when the milk market collapsed. I guess that was around 2015. Right. What did your family do, or maybe it was you, to deal with the collapse? So when my parents lost their market, there was a group of seven of the farms around here so there was a lot of talk what we were going to do luckily the company that was taking us held us for another six months until they were able to sign in with another co-op but while they were we were trying to figure out what to do the um franklin's over at bethel creamery said that they have a private market and it's kosher so they said that they were looking for more milk as well so at one point they were talking about doing something kosher throughout the county, but that never actually worked out. But I saw that as a way for me to start my own herd. So I approached them and said I'd be willing to milk Jersey cows because they were looking for the richer milk as well for them if they're looking for more milk. So I started out with milking 19 cows for them, and that was three years ago. And we've since now I milk almost 90 jerseys for them. So these are kosher. The milk's going to be kosher. So the milk is kosher during the week. During the weekend on Saturdays and on Jewish holidays, they don't take it. So to use my milk, I got my own processing plant on the farm. So now I started with just the Saturday milk using that for my own products. And it'll be two years ago in March that I started that. And we're very blessed to have that market grow and continue to grow, and I'm using more and more of my milk now as well. And what products are you making? I make whole cream line milk. It comes literally from the cow right into the vat and is pasteurized that day. And we don't take anything from it. We don't add anything to it, so it's pure milk. I make chocolate milk, whole cream line. I make a half and half and a heavy cream as well, and I make ice cream. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> that that was my favorite. Ever since I was a little kid, I always wanted to have an ice cream shop. I never thought I'd actually be the one making it. I don't know why, but I am now and it's it's a lot of fun. So, I'll try some later. <laughs> <laughs> you sure can. <laughs> Ryan, what equipment did you have to invest in in order to make that change? So besides the cows themselves... Well, you didn't change the cows. Yes, I did. My parents had milked a hundred and almost 140 Holsteins. That's what they were milking when they lost their market. So then... 
Those are the ones that make more, uh, larger volume. Yep, yep. They're a bigger cow, bigger breed. They're black and white, and they make a larger volume. So then when we started to switch over to have the richer milk, we started to buy jerseys. Like I said, I started with 19 of them. And then last year in December, we actually swapped almost, not quite the whole herd, but almost the whole herd. So now we have about... 90 jerseys and 30 Holsteins. And your bull, is he a jersey? Yep. He's <laughs> and so. we also, at that point, we had tested all the cows for A2A2. So all our milk is A2A2 milk as well. What does that mean? So it's an extra protein that the cows naturally have that makes it easier for people to digest. Hmm. Ryan, can you describe your milking facility? What does that look like? So we have a, it's called a double eight parallel parlor. So we have on each side, eight cows can come in at a time, equaling 16 at once. And the cows walk through and they get milked. It takes about three to five minutes for one cows to get milked. And then they go back out and they can go back to the back of the barn and eat and drink. And the next group will come in. And they just walk in and settle themselves down at the milking machines. That's another thing. Calves like to get milked. It's just like a nursing mother. And for other people, I describe it as having to go to the bathroom really bad because their udders are full. They need to get it out, just like you would when you have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And do you milk all year round? Yep. Yep, we do. Twice a day. That's what I'm going to say. What time (laughs) do you have to get up to milk those cows? (laughs) I wake up around 5.30. So it's not it's not terrible, but it is every single day. Does the milk get tested, and what kind of regulations do you have to follow? So anytime you ship federally, your milk gets tested every time it goes out, and then my milk for my plant gets tested as well because I need to know butterfat ratios and protein ratios in order to make the ice cream. And then the state inspectors come around at least twice a month, if not more, to do checks as well. So they have to check for bacteria, too, don't they? Yep, they check for bacteria, they check check for antibiotics, they check for butter fat and protein ratios. They check to make sure that your nutrition facts line up with what's actually in the containers. And they check weights to make sure your bottles and containers weigh enough, have enough product in them. So, yeah, they check it all. <laughs> well, that's comforting. Yeah, yep. Milk is one of the most regulated products there is out there. Does the amount of milk you get vary with the season? It varies individually with the cow's lactation. So like I said, the cows, when they have their calf, they milk for between a year and a year and a half before their next calf. So when they first freshen, that's when they milk a lot, naturally. And then it tampers off before we dry them up to have their rest period. Do you bottle the milk yourself here on the farm? Yes, we do. So I have a processing plant that's right off the milking parlor, and my sister-in-law and I bottle the milk, make the ice cream, separate the cream. So So that must have been quite an investment to get a bottling facility. Yeah, it definitely was an investment, but it was one that, an investment that had a, a good future outlook to it, so it was worth it. What's the difference between the milk you get from the Myers farm and what you would get in the grocery? The difference would be is uh, mine is it's whole cream line milk. So what it does is I, I vat pasteurize the milk, which is a smooth, slow process. So it'll keep the natural molecules in the milk the same. So the cream will rise to the top just like milk is supposed to. Whereas 
in the store, it's homogenized, which breaks up the molecules and makes it so the cream stays within the milk but doesn't rise. Another difference is federally, whole milk is considered a 3.5 butter fat, and my milk runs between a 4.7 and a 5.3 butter fat, depending on the season. So I keep everything, all the components, all the good stuff, right in my milk, and I don't take anything this out, whereas Rosie in the Star store they would take I can remember, of course, this will tell you how old I am, that getting milk delivered in bottles to our back door in a little insulated box, and it had cream on the top. Right. You had to shake it. Right, right. Yep, yeah, you always have to shake. That's one thing. When we started making doing our milk before people got used to it, they were like, oh, this is weird. It's like, that's real milk. <laughs> right. Now you have to shake it. Where do you sell your milk? I sell my milk right off the farm. We have the little farm stand that people can come and buy our products out of. We also sell it in Pex Markets in Livingston Manor, Calicoon, and Jeff. Our ice cream is also in Eldred, but not our milk. I sell it to various general stores throughout the area, Gardner and Company over in Hortonville, Hurleyville General Store, Neversink General Store. I recently started going down to Adams Fair Acre Farms in Newburgh at the beginning of this year, so hopefully we'll expand to the other Adamses shortly. And we also go down to Union Square Green Market in New York City in Manhattan on every Friday. Is the milk branded and labeled so people know that they're getting local milk? Yes. So what we did is we made a brand. It's called Rise Farm Made Dairy. It's a product of Meyer Century Farm. So what we can do with that brand is if we want to expand to different products, we can and keep the brand. But it's it's Rise, R-I apostrophe S. I get it, Ryan. (laughs) You got it. Do you allow any visitors on the farm? So every year at Christmas time, we always have a live nativity, and it's open to the public, and people can come and walk through the barns. As far as random visitors, we don't, just because we're trying to run a farm, and like us and our family doing it. But we do allow people to come anytime they want to our farm stand and buy the products, see the farm itself. I can see it from where I'm sitting, the little farm stand. You don't have chickens. No, I buy eggs from Bry's Eggs, locally sourced. The amount of eggs we go through to make our ice cream mix would blow your mind. We do probably about 500 eggs every week. We crack them one by one (laughs) to separate the yolks from the eggs. So, yes, we get them from Bry's. And then to make... Wait a minute, you only use the yolks? Yep, for the ice cream mix. It's just the the yolk. What do you do with all the whites? Um, a lot of meringue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of meringue. I do use some whites. I'll feed them to calves here and there because it's a good source of protein. But other than that, we don't use the whites. I forgot an important question is what flavors do you have? Oh, okay. So I have lots of flavors. I have vanilla, chocolate, maple, mint wagon, we call it, a peanut butter perfection, a chocolate peanut butter perfection, mocha coffee, a rocky road, muddy boots brownie, Utterly Butterly Pecan, Cookie Dosey Dough, Cookies and Cream of the Top, and a Strawberry Fields. And I also pop in limited edition flavors, depending on what season it is. So now you know what's involved in running a dairy farm. 
and where to get amazing homemade ice cream. You heard about it firsthand from Ryan Earlwine, owner and manager of Myers Century Farm in Jeffersonville. If you'd like to suggest a topic or an expert for my next interview, email me at stephanie at wjffradio.org. This has been Stephanie Phillips for Farm and Country. Thank you, Stephanie Phillips, for all that you do for Farm and Country and for speaking to Ryan Erlwine. And yes, your ice cream is just divine. I have sampled it in many places. <laughs> but right now we're wanting to sample listening, you calling us, 845-482-4141. We've got this challenge to make, and I don't know if the phone's rang yet, but there's plenty of people here to answer the phone, or you can go online, wjffradio.org. Tim, we've got guests in our studio. We do. I don't think the phone has a ring. Let me check with my attorney. Uh, <laughs> two of them, in fact. Uh, Brian Rourke from Rourke Law here in Liberty and Michael Sussman from Sussman and Associates Law in Goshen. Thank you both for coming in and, and helping us out today. Good morning. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Thanks for supporting us. Thank you. Yeah. Um, why, why, why did you guys uh, decide to come in and help out? Why, why do you think it's important to keep uh, public radio on the air? <laughs> well, uh, this is Brian and uh, WJFF has been very important to me over the last 20, 30 years. I've, they've uh, been warm to me. I had uh, political debate in your station like 20 years ago. Uh, they've um, hosted events at, at the downtown barn, which was our music venue that we had here in Liberty. Um, so yeah, you guys are special. Plus, uh, you know, the, the programming that you've offered, the national uh, stage programming, as well as local insights has been terrific. And, and um, you know, if it click and clack alone <laughs> is, is why I, I support public radio. People, miss, people still miss car oh, talk. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Ayachi family, Miyachi. I'm <laughs> Well, I'm not, I'm not from your county. I'm from Orange County. Yeah. But I'm a big supporter around the state of public radio because it's about community. Yeah. It's about the number of expressions that we can get. The more people that collaborate, the more views we hear, the more we learn. Mm -hmm. I, I started a bunch of empowering centers around the region, four or five of them. They were storefronts that I funded in various communities. And the reason for doing that was because I have a slogan each person is a teacher and each person is a learner. And this kind of radio is really representative of that philosophy. It's not that hierarchical in nature. It allows for people to participate broadly in the community and share what they would like. And I see this radio station as sort of a representation of the empowerment centers, where we had many people doing many different kinds of things and sharing. And that's really the same thing that we're here about. So and I also agree with what uh, Mr. Rourke said about the the need for some newsworthy source that we can really kind of trust. And I do think NPR has has been that over the course of its history, even though it's the source of right now of a lot of attacks from people. They want to defund it and all that. But I think that it's a very important vehicle to support that's great. You know, we talked earlier. You want to announce what we're doing here? Go ahead. Oh, yeah, folks. Uh, please call in. Uh, right now, while Michael and I are in the studio, 845-482-4144. We are going to match donations. Uh, the first $500 that is donated 
Wow. Michael and I are going to match that. So wow. That's amazing. Thank you guys so sure. much. Uh, least um, call, we can do. Call 845-482-4141. Uh, I think you said this uh, while we were off air. Finally, we get some money from the attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> Joby, that's, we're just that's joshing. Not fair. We're, we're the butt of too many bad <laughs> jokes. Thank you guys so much for coming in and supporting us and also for this uh, generosity that you have here. So call in 845. Talk to them. 845-482-4141. Uh, help us uh, meet this match and the match from Spencer Printing as well. That's that's $750 on the table. We've that's got great. a match. So let's yeah, do it's it. It's a Herculean event. I mean, Star Talk talks about her Hercules. <laughs> yeah. This is a Herculean event, but and I know we can do it. Yeah, there's well, people know, out there. AMC in Albany, they they went from their lockbox system. I'm sure you know about the lockbox yeah. that Alan Shartok and others started there, uh-huh. and they they went from having a full week of on-air fundraising to literally less than a day. Yeah, because people in advance of the week would make donations to the quote-unquote lockbox, and they would then. Shut, cut short the number of days they needed for fundraising. Oh. So I hope that we can sort of set hope that we can model do that too. here. Yes. Yeah. People, this is a year-round proposition. You count on Radio Catskill day-to-day for your news, for your entertainment. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And this is not a corporately sponsored uh, set of events here. It's the community speaking yeah. about the importance of community radio. So I really encourage everyone to do this and I was saying earlier, I started in radio in 1971 at the University of Chicago. We had WHPK, which was the University of Chicago radio station, and I was pleased to be the news director. And I remember one day, just a funny story, having Ed Levy, who was then president of the University of Chicago, come on, and I was interviewing him, and I asked him, what countries do you like to visit, Mr. Levy, Mr. President Levy? And he said, he was about 62 at the time, I've never been out of Hyde Park, which is where the University of Chicago was. And I laughed on the radio so loud. There you go. So we need community radio. We do. I don't object. 845-482-4141. Please uh, call in now and uh, speak to Brian Rourke and Michael Sussman, who are here helping us during our summer fun drive. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. I appreciate those great words, too. Uh, 